Um, Are we in? I think we're in. I think we're in. Um, it's telling me that I'm supposed to avoid legal snags by telling you that you're being recorded. I mean, or the big red light on in the upper left-hand corner of the screen that says Alex is recording the call should do it. It should, but... I, I guess sure, I guess it's smart. Like Skype is really covering their asses when they're telling you to cover your ass, right? Yes. That's really That's... all that is. They don't actually care. But if somebody cares and they're like, Skype didn't do it. It's like, actually, we told you to do it. So balls in your court, jackass. <laughs> Good luck, bitch. <laughs> Teleports uh, out. I'm going to go take a shit. <laughs> <laughs> hey, uh, who are we? Well, I'm Alex. I'm fucking Sterling. And this is the Alex and Sterling Watch Stuff Podcast. Cheers. Oh my god, I didn't make a drink yet. Dude, oh, you're back on the sauce? Some sauce. Some sauce. Hell yeah. Pause. Pause. Okay, wait, I'll just... Ooh, that's the stuff. Oh, and your cheers was better. It's because the can wasn't open yet. I like that. What are you drinking? Vodka? Is that vodka? Yes, I am. No free pub to the brand. No free pub. It's the cheap stuff. Uh, the stuff that we normally drink, is that considered cheap stuff or just run-of-the-mill? Um, I would say run-of-the-mill. Uh, cheap stuff is like real bottom shelf. It hurts like your eyes water when you open it, you know, that kind of, that kind of cheap stuff. <laughs> like, could be used to clean Civil War wounds, that kind of stuff. <laughs> so, when I was living in England, um, you met Shelly, right? Yeah. So, we were, like, getting ready to go out, uh, like, all of us in, like, a big group to go, like, you know, to the bars or whatever. And we were obviously pre-gaming, so... We were also students, and we had to get the cheap stuff, the real cheap stuff. So <laughs> she got a bottle of Tesco Value Vodka, and she—this—I'll never forget. This is one of the funniest things. She opens the bottle, and she pours some and takes a sip, and she's like, her face winces up, and she's like, "Mmm, I can taste the value." <laughs> <laughs> oh my god. Oh, that is such a good joke on so many levels. It's so good. Oh, it's like sarcastic and ironic at the same time. <laughs> it's fucking yeah, good on you, Shelly. Oh, so what are we doing here, man? What is the Alex and Sterling Watch Stuff podcast? Please inform our audience. Dude, we watch so many things. Um, We watch so many things, and then we drink a whole lot and then we review those things whilst drinking so then you can decide if that thing is going to be worth your while um so you're taking our drunken word for it i guess damn right um and i think i think we're on a like a director's spree like a director binge we are so last week was our first episode of the director series and we did danny boyle which i thought was a success so we decided to carry that train and this week, episode two of the director series is on Tim Burton. Huge. Huge. I've never seen a director in my entire life that looks like 
he was born in one of the movies he makes more so than Tim Burton. Oh yeah. He looks like he lives in Edward Scissorhand world. He's a very unique looking individual. He, he's awesome. Like I, I think I love him. You know what I found really interesting about Tim Burton is that all the movies that I know him for, he produced, he didn't direct. Oh, like interesting. Nightmare Before Christmas, Edward Scissorhands, like all those movies, he produced them. When I was looking at movies that he directed, mm-hmm. there was a fewer selection uh, of stuff that I wanted to watch some of it for sure. But I was like, oh, I was kind of hoping to do this movie, but it's not. A, technically, he didn't direct it, so I'm not going to not gonna choose from that pool. And you ended up choosing my movie. Uh, I chose the movie you watched? Yeah. Wait, you watched the same movie as me? I don't think so. What did you watch? I watched Mars Attacks. Beautiful. I did not watch that. Oh, okay. I cheated a little bit because you told me to watch a movie. You gave me a list, and then I tried really hard to find those, and I couldn't for free, and Mars Attacks was available for free. I'm really jealous of you because I gave you a choice of two, and you're like, um, I'll watch this, so you should watch that. And I was like, okay. <laughs> I and I did. And spoilers, I did not like it. <laughs> <laughs> Dang. This it's is... okay, because it's one of those things, you know, it's, it's a Tim Burton movie. It's one of his big titles, so, you know, probably deserves to be watched. Um, but this was a rare case of a movie that I was not expecting to like or a movie that, yeah, I expected to not like, and I actually did not like it where normally when you subscribe, where you tell me to do something, uh, I'm like, okay. Oh, I expect perfect example. Slumdog millionaire. I was like, I don't want to watch this. This is going to be lame. And it turned out to be great. That happens a lot on this show. I got a little, I got a little cocky. I got a little arrogant. You know, I, I was coming off a win, and I was like, you know what? Fucking watch another movie that I recommend. Roll the dice. Have and you seen uh, my- huh? Had you seen my movie? You don't know what I watched. Yeah, but not for a long time. I've, I've seen. I think I've seen like every Tim Burton movie that he's directed, produced, or been a part of. But a lot of them are like you see it once and you're good for a minute. Yeah. Uh, so, like, I've seen almost all of them, but I haven't watched one in a long time. That's uh, fair. Like, the last one I saw was before this was probably Dumbo, but that was because it was, like, I think his most recent release, I think. I think so. Um, oh, boy. He, uh, that, was a, that was a movie. That was a movie. Um, but I please tell me about <laughs> this adventure you went on. Okay, so uh, I gave Sterling the recommendations Dark Shadows or Big Fish. And he's like, you should watch Big Fish. And I was like, okay. Now, this movie came out in 2003. So way long. 17 years ago. uh, I remember this coming out in theaters and seeing posters for it everywhere. And I remember the theater that I saw the posters at because it was like the greatest theater of all time. And I remember 
very specifically not wanting to watch the movie. <laughs> <laughs> you knew, even then, even in, I guess, high school or whatever it was. Yeah, high school. You were like, no. I knew because it looked real heartfelt and like just the, all the things that I just don't want in a movie. No versions, um, no violence. Yeah. No like, I've always liked action movies and like just crazy movies. And most other movies, I'm like, meh, I could do without that. And I, the same feeling I got back then, I got when I looked it up and I was like, well, maybe I'll have an appreciation for it now. Uh, so I watched it and <laughs> Fal was with me and she was like, do I have to watch this with you? And I was like, no, I'm not going to force you, but you wait you know, in my defense. Both of our girls feel that way about most of the movies we watch for this. Podcast. Very true. hundred percent. She never wants to watch them, <laughs> but she was like, okay, I'll stick around. I'll hang out on my phone and, and watch with you. So I was like, okay, about 40 minutes into the movie. She's like, I can't watch this. I'm out of here. <laughs> Oh my god, she physically got up and left. She physically <laughs> left the room. It was like, uh, I'm going to watch something in here. It's like, okay. Oh my god, ouch. So the movie uh, is essentially about the life of this guy. Um, we come in near the end of his life. Uh, he's an old man. Not that old, but older guy um, who is dying he's very sick of what i think is cancer um and it kind of does a couple quick flashes of him you know previously telling this one story about you know the day his son was born and he couldn't be there because he was like basically wrestling a huge fish to get his wedding ring back um the fish <laughs> it was like the biggest fish in the lake and it had never been caught, and it was too smart to go for any of the bait. And so the logic was, well, you know, everybody likes money. Like, what's the best way to get uh, an uncatchable woman to marry you? You offer her a wedding ring. So he, like, put the wedding ring on a hook and went, and the fish ate it. And so he had to, like, wrestle the fish to get the ring back. And that's this story that he always tells so lavishly, just, like, the biggest fish you ever saw and all this crap. That's um, like, it's cool. I remember thinking, damn, that's cool. But now that I'm a grown up and knowing how much rings cost, I'm like, dude, that was fucking dumb. That was very irresponsible, sir. Fucking stupid. How much of your rent was that? <laughs> stupid. So we come in and it, and it's him telling the story. And then uh, his son is narrating. And we quickly see that his son is kind of angry with his dad for like always stealing the spotlight and telling these stories that are obviously bullshit. Um, <laughs> and he's like, I actually don't even know who my dad is. Like all I know about him are these stories that he tells and I've heard him a million times. So I know them all by heart, but they're all so outlandish. It's horseshit. I don't actually know who my dad is. I, that would be pretty frustrating. If like you asked your dad a super basic question, dad, what was it like growing up in this house? Well, it wasn't just a house. Like, <laughs> like, Fuck. Just, Dad, just tell me. I just want to know. Well, I had to defeat the dragon first. 
Just give me a simple fucking answer. But it's a lot of stuff like that where it's like it, it is, you know, a simple question or even just a normal conversation. And he'll interrupt with some random story that is just ridiculous. Mm. So his kid is frustrated. And I think his son is like a reporter. Um, and so he's like, I'm going to like get the story of my dad. I'm going to ask him some real questions and, and get to know my father before he's gone. And it's him talking with his dad trying to get a straight answer and his dad is like kind of offended that he's not like believed he's like liars get like that when you call them out on their bullshit liars get like that yeah and he wasn't like super standoffish but he was like visibly almost hurt you know like how dare you kind of thing and his his uh mom the guy's wife is like oh it's you know it's just your dad like not everything he says is bullshit and kind of like on his side. And so we go back and forth between the son talking to his dad and talking to like mom and his wife and other people trying to get the story while looking at the the past, uh, at these actual stories. And Ewan McGregor plays young, the young dad. Um, I, whose name love, now escapes me. Uh, I forget, too. I like that we uh, have a connection from last week's episode. Right? I was thinking that, too. Like, Ewan McGregor-thon. <laughs> um, so it's, like, he lives in a small town and um, basically wants to get out. And he goes to, like, start to leave... Oh, here's the thing. He like he's like a yes man. He says like yes to everything. He's very outgoing. And the town that he lives in is being faced with like a giant. There's a giant that's eating everybody's sheep. And <laughs> they're like, "We got to kill him. We got to get him out of here." And they're like, "No, like we there there's no reasoning with this thing. Like we it's we can't talk with them. We, there, there's nothing we can do about it." And Ewan McGregor's like, "I'll talk to him." And they're like, <laughs> Go for it, young man, you defenseless little being. Okay. Good luck. So he goes to the cave, and this giant man comes out, um, who looks like he's lived in a cave for his whole life. Super long hair, super dirty. Um, <laughs> and the the factoid that I have about this movie is that that guy was legitimately seven feet six inches tall. Oh, so no CGI. No CGI. He was legitimately a huge man. Um, I read a little bit about him, and he had grown over five feet tall in kindergarten. That was that sounds awful. He was a massive dude, and he actually died in 2005 from congestive heart failure. The taller you are, the harder your heart has to work. It's crazy. Yeah, like you just can't support something that big. Ah. So that was a super bummer. Um, that goes against my theory that giants used to walk the earth, so I'm going to choose to ignore that one. No, uh, I kind of believe you. I'm sure there were giants at some point. We should um, go one day. We should do a dig. Yes. In the middle of the night. <laughs> I think there was a giant buried here. Let's start digging. So, yeah, so if there is no giant bones where we dig, at least we'll get some kind of paranormal video out of it. It'll be perfect. 
Ooh. Um, <laughs> continue our annual podcast. Want our annual <laughs> <laughs> annual spooky cast. The, the haunting spook- of Chill House. Oh God. The haunting of Chill House. Oh wow. He ends up going to this cave and the monster's like not pumped. Uh and he's like, Hey man, like it's not you. Like you're not the problem. And all of a sudden the giant gets really nice and he's like, I'm just so hungry all the time. He's like, Hey man, maybe this place is too small for you. Like we should get out of here. So he starts to travel with the giant and go out of town. So he was eating sheep? He wasn't He was legitimately eating sheep because he's so hungry. Um Wow. So like it was a legit problem. And he's like, Hey man, it's not your fault. You're super hungry. Nothing can like sustain you. Birds. And this is just a too, too small of a town for you to to stay in because you're going to eat everybody's livelihood. So we got to get out of here. Go somewhere big. Symbolism. And on the way, they're like walking down the road. And he's like, I've always wanted to see what was down here. Um, and it's like this really overgrown road uh, that like goes into the forest. And, he, and there's a bunch of like warning signs and stuff. And he's yeah. like, always wanted to see what was back here. And the giant's like, are you just trying to ditch me? And he's like, no, man, here, take my bag. I'll meet you. You know, I'm sure these roads will cross on the other side of the hill. I'll meet you over there. And he stumbles through this creepy forest through spiders and stuff and gets to a very creepy, perfect little town called Spectre, which I'm pretty sure was a like symbol for heaven. Everybody was very perfect there. Like through like you get through the dark, creepy forest and there's like perfectly mowed grass, perfectly maintained buildings. Everybody's dressed in their Sunday best, but nobody has shoes on. And as soon as he walks through there, this guy walks up and he says his name and he looks on a list and he's like, you're early. (gasps) That's like heaven. And he's like, what? And he's like, yeah, you're super early, but uh, we're happy to have you. And so it's like a really nice place. And he starts to get super skeeved out over like a couple days. And they're like, no, no one's letting him leave. And like the little girl like steals his shoes and throws them up on a string with a bunch of other shoes. And he's like, I got to get out of here. And they're like, but you don't have any shoes. And he's like, well, it's going to hurt, but I, I'm going to leave. And they're like, OK. And uh, he takes off. And meets oh, up, so back he up with the giant. missed his giant friend. Well, he meets back up with the giant. Was he still there? He was. And he's oh, like, what happened to you? Because he comes out of the forest looking like a mess. <laughs> what happened to you? He's like, I don't know, man. So then they go on and they like go to a circus. And the giant uh, makes quite an entrance. Because the circus has their own giant, who is a dwarf <laughs> compared to our I giant. remember this, yeah. And so he basically signs up and like part of the theme was like finding your destiny. And it was like, this is the giant's destiny. Like this is where I'm supposed to be. Um, so he goes and while at the circus, you and McGregor sees the woman that he's determined to marry and loses track of her. And most of the movie is him trying to do whatever it takes to find her. Very similar to Slumdog Millionaire, actually. Oh. Um, but we see all these adventures that he goes on. He, like, joins the military because he's, like, drafted. 
and uh, like takes all these dangerous assignments so that his term is cut short. So like instead <laughs> of being drafted for like the standard four years, he's like, I'm gonna do everything possible to come back sooner. So I'm gonna do all the dangerous shit, and it shows him like parachuting into Vietnam and Sick. meeting these Siamese twins and like almost getting captured, but like telling them his love story. And they're like, we'll smuggle you out all the craziest stuff. And the son is like, that's like kind of believable of all the stories. Like the Vietnam war story is a little bit believable. Like I I've heard see the war twins. <laughs> yeah. Cause weren't the twins like, uh, what, what was interesting about them? Weren't they like conjoined? They're conjoined, so they literally have one pair of legs, and then right off the hips, two normal torsos come up. <laughs> that's right. That's where it's weird. Like, that's yeah. the part I don't believe. Yeah, but, you know, they they end up getting smuggled out, and I forget, like, it goes in so many weird directions, but he ends up becoming, like, a salesperson and starting to do really well. And one of the guys in this perfect little town called Spectre was this famous poet. He's like, oh, my God, I've always wanted to meet you. And apparently he'd been there for like 12 years. Everybody thought he was dead. The poet? But the poet. So anyway, years later, he's in this bank and he's like about to make a deposit. And he runs into this poet and he's like, yeah, man, after you left, it got me thinking that I should leave. And he's like, oh, that's great. What are you doing? And he's like, I'm robbing this bank. <laughs> and so he's like caught in the middle of this bank robbery, and it just it gets so ridiculous. And you and McGregor, after they get away, tells him like, "Yeah, man, we probably shouldn't do that anymore. Like, you can definitely do better things with your life." So the poet goes to Wall Street and becomes like a multi-millionaire on Wall Street. <laughs> and later on down the movie, that plays a role because you and McGregor wants to buy up Spectre because the town he went back he'd promised he would go back and years later he goes back and it's a ghost town and it's like really really bad i feel like so, that has whole new meaning to me now that that you said you think it's heaven like what does that mean if heaven went to shit like that's interesting yeah. you know like what does that mean well i don't know if it's heaven but that's what i thought of but it's well, interesting when you describe it it sounds like it a lot 100 percent. and when he goes back People still live there, but it's, like, just in ruins. And he's like, the only way I can save this place is if I buy up the whole town and let everybody live there for free and do their thing like they were. So, like, slowly he buys up each and every property. And the one last one is the little girl who stole his shoes. She's a grown woman now. And right. he buys her house and the giant, like, it's all crooked. And this is where it gets really Tim Burton-y. Actually, it's Tim Burton-y through the whole thing. And I'll get there. Uh, That's one thing about his movies. After I stop rambling. Raging Tim Burton. Super Tim Burton. And you can really tell Tim Burton movies by the shapes of things in the movies. And, like, the proportionality of stuff in the I feel movies. like the, the oddities, too. Yes, having a, a giant having the circus there, having a, a absurdly giant fish, um, just like ran, there was a mermaid at some point, not a mermaid, but like a woman that swims in the water. 
like, <laughs> all the time. Um, and the way the buildings looked were, was a little funny, especially this house that was leaning. Like he walks in through her front door and it's like, you know, it's like tilted like this. Yeah. But you would have to build it that way. Like, you know what I'm saying? Like the door like it was fit perfectly. Odd on purpose. Like, it was very strange. Yeah. So it was, but little things like that, you can, you just see it and you're like, this has to be a Tim Burton movie. And nothing else explains what's happening here. Um, and the older version of the little girl was played by Helena Bonham Carter. Which is Tim Burton's wife, right? I think so. Yeah. And she's in like 90% of his movies. Yes. She's in everything. Which is nuts. Like I, I've there are a lot of directors that put their like wives or husbands in movies and then they put them in relationships, and I feel like that'd be a little weird. I mean, maybe it's just business and it's not weird for them, but it I'd, would be super weird. I was thinking about that with when I was watching Sons of Anarchy, the uh, creator of the show, Kurt Sutter. His wife is Kate Sagal, who plays Gemma uh jack's mom yeah she she, like sleeps with a few guys and she gets raped at one point and like she kisses everybody and it's so awkward and i'm like dude if my husband is behind the camera like that's super strange dude what about uh judd apatow putting um what's her face in all those movies with paul rudd uh there's like i don't know who judd apatow's wife is uh okay remember uh the you watched Knocked Up? Yeah. Paul Rudd's wife in Knocked Up. The blonde lady. The sister of... Um, I'm so terrible at names right yeah, now. Yeah, yeah. I know who you're talking about. Yeah. I, it's like Leslie something? Leslie Mann. That's it. Uh, so he has directed multiple movies with her like married to Paul Rudd. And like you see their relationship and stuff. Like three movies where they're a couple. I'm like it's a good fit. Yeah, that's that's wild. That's so wild to me. Whatever. Good good for him for not being the jealous type, I guess. Right? He's like, "Hey, whatever makes her money makes me money, right?" Yeah, I'm going to make good movies. Don't give a fuck. Um So yeah, so like he buys up this town and this is where it takes an interesting turn in a in in one respect because this entire time rightfully so we're hearing and seeing all these stories and we're like this is horseshit (laughs) and in in the present time we find the son and he is looking through the attic and we see he finds like a lease document with some chick's name on it and he's like boom like here's hard evidence of something like this has to be real it's it's a legal document so he goes to specter and it's the little girl slash Helena Bottom Carter, her house. It's the lease document for her house. He finds Spectre? He finds it. Wow. And he goes to talk with her and basically flat out is like, hey, did you have an affair with my dad? And she's like, what? What, what are you talking about? And he's like, well, I found your name and this property on a proper, or on like some documents of his and he's paying for it. So like what? what's going on here and she tells somewhat of the same story of like he came you know he he came to specter too early once and he promised he'd come back and he came back too late the next time and he bought up the whole town so we could all you know live better lives and 
this is the first time we're seeing something true that the dad said that was really extreme. And so it's like, okay, how much of what else he said is legit? And so... Yeah, that would freak me out. There was one actually really, really good part in the beginning that I skipped over. He tells the story that he met a witch uh, who is also played by Helena Bottom Carter. And... (laughs) If you, the witch has one eye. Every female character in this whole movie. I would, I would believe it. Uh, The witch has like one eye and she has an eye patch. And if she lifts the eye patch, it's like a glass eye. And if you look in the eye, you see how you're going to die. Oh, I would kill for that opportunity. And so that was this thing is like none of the kids that he was with that night wanted to see it, but they all got kind of like tricked. And she doesn't show him and he's like i actually want to know so that i know whatever i face that's not that is not going to kill me and she shows him and it doesn't show us it shows all the others like how they die and he's like interesting okay and then it's like the rest of his life um can you imagine if he was wrong and like that's not how time works and he just runs into traffic the next scene and dies that would be like you have to have a lot of faith in how fucking time works. And a lot of faith in the witch's glass eye. Right, right. What if her little antenna on the back of her head, the receiver... It's <laughs> just picking up Telemundo. It's like, yeah. <laughs> um, so he had told this story, obviously, to his kids, uh, or his son. And he's like, yeah, I know the story about the glass eye, but like... Dad, you're in serious condition. Like, this is a problem. And he's like, trust me, this is not how I go. How I go is a surprise. Ooh. So I was like, what the hell? So he ends up, uh, when the son comes back from Spectre uh, talking to this woman, everybody's gone from the house. And he goes upstairs, and his dad's not in the bed. And he rushes to the hospital, and his dad had a stroke. Ooh. And... Uh, he's still alive and he goes in there and the son is like, well, I'm just going to stay with him. Like, I don't know what else to do. I might read to him or whatever. And um, the dad wakes up when they're alone and he like is kind of incoherent. And then he says, tell me how it happens. And he's like, tell me, tell you how, what happens? And he's going to call the nurse. And the dad's like, no, 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 don't call the nurse. Tell me how it happens. And he's like, Dad, I don't know. You didn't tell me this part. And so he's like, make it up. And so the son starts telling this crazy-ass story to try to make his dad happy uh, about, like, well, we bust out of here. Like, we, I sneak you out of the hospital in a wheelchair, and I knock a bunch of orderlies over, and we run down to the river, and when we get there everybody's there to see you the giant the circus master the twins like everybody's there and they're happy to see you and i take you down to the river and i let you go and the dad like smiles and dies and it was like the surprise was making his son have to tell and understand why these stories are important and it's mainly the moral of the movie is you live through the stories you tell. And so when you tell other people those things and they remember them, like it shows him and his kids and they're like, 
tell me how big the fish was dad and like how did he get the ring and like it's like my dad is still alive in these stories so it was really touching super deep it's jesus very, it's very deep and very touching uh and very tim burton like i can't even express to you but tim burton's directing style is extremely visual um like when yeah. you see tim burton stuff it's like very okay i i nobody has to talk for me to understand that this is a tim burton movie um but i'll be i'll be honest man it was really heartfelt and kind of recapping it not so quickly um it had some good stuff in there and definitely a lot of symbolism but i just don't i i didn't enjoy watching it unfortunately bummer which is not not what i like to report but (sighs) i can't win them all can't win them all um that's okay man we if we want them all we wouldn't be legitimately highly paid movie critics oh wait right right (laughs) sponsored by tons so many um i wonder if you would have liked dark shadows you know dark shadows i was more interested to watch because it looked more like a comedy but it probably was awful what i really wanted to watch and i didn't was nine not was that tim burton I thought so. It came up when I searched them. Let me double check. It's one of those ones where you're like, oh, that's Tim Burton, but it's not. I could be wrong, though. Have you seen Nine? No, I never did, but it looked really cool. Crazy. So crazy. That's a that's a pretty underrated movie now that I think about it. Yeah, I remember seeing the preview a long time ago and I was like, dang, that looks rad. I used to when I worked at the movie theater. I used to see so many fucking movies, and uh, but sometimes it was kind of like a, a bittersweet because like I would get to see the movies I was really into. But if one came out that was big enough, I wasn't allowed to go see it for like the first month because you know it's going to be packed, and they're not going to give away uh, a seat when that seat could be filled by someone who's paying. It makes total sense absolutely um so for like bigger movies and people were really in actually i don't think people were like crazy into nine i don't know if it was like a big big deal but we put it in not the biggest auditoriums we put them in like average or smaller size but because they were those size they were filled up right so they were really good about that management but because of that i like couldn't get in to see one because like it would be too packed it'd be above the certain capacity level for me to be able to get in for free so i went like a long time without seeing it and i saw it like only like a couple of years ago and it's fucking cool like real it looked really cool and they had that coheed and cambria song welcome home in the trailer and i was like yeah. dang this gives it the right mood like yeah this makes me want to watch it really bad maybe whoever that director is we should go into that if it's not tim burton yeah uh, so it wasn't tim burton i actually just looked it up um, it was one of those ones that was produced by him, um, but it was director Shane Acker. I don't know that name. Me either. Shane Acker. I'm going to have to look that up. Here. I got it. You know, uh, a lot of – I noticed Danny DeVito's in a shitload of Tim Burton movies too. Yep. And I, I love that. I love when like people are bros and they just do a ton of movies together. I like I I love that. Silly enough, I feel like that's that's the way to make good money in Hollywood is like not not only be a talented actor, 
but find your crew. Like you guys are interested in directing weird stuff, producing weird stuff, or being weird characters. And you're like, here, I want you to be a crazy circus guy. And he's like, in, I'm down. Give me <laughs> long hair and a bald spot. I don't care. And I'll do it. One thing I forgot to mention about Danny DeVito in this movie, uh, yeah. who is the circus ringleader, he's also a werewolf. Fun fact. Totally believable. It happened. Dude, Shane Acker not only directed Nine, he directed the newest 2012 Total Recall and Whoa. 47 Ronin. Holy hell, really? Yep. He's done some interesting things. Yeah, and a bunch of other weird, random things. I remember uh, watching uh, 47 Ronin with you and being a little let down. Yeah, I was very let down. Um, Definitely a good, like, background movie with just nonsense and samurais, but was not as cool as I wanted it to be. Yeah. I remember, the only scene I remember was the scene where they got the super crazy swords, and it, like... The guy was trying to cut stuff with it, and it wasn't working, and Keanu Reeves was like, you just gotta fucking believe it, dude. And then he cuts right through the tree, like, hot knife through butter. Super cool. That's the only thing I remember from that movie. And how they all kill themselves at the end. I remember the scene, getting a little off topic here, but (laughs) what stuck with me was they, like, go to basically their, like, final boss fight, and Keanu Reeves has to go it alone. And the guys wait outside, and he's like, no matter what you see, do not believe it. And Ooh. all these crazy things start to come at them, and they immediately forget that it's like supposed to be fake, and <laughs> they're not supposed to believe it, and they like go crazy. But I was like, ooh, that's, that's a really good premise. Like This place is obviously magical, and he's like, don't believe anything you see. Yeah, I should look up that scene. That movie's pretty old, too, though, isn't it? 47 Ronin. I had it up just a second ago. Can't do this to me. Wait, wait. 10, 9, 8, 2013. Mmm. Not too long ago. Not too long. All right, dude. Are you ready for my movie? I am. I'm sorry that I was such a bummer for my first going first, you know, getting people 40 minutes into this episode and. That's what we're here out for. With my opinions of Big Fish. That's what we're here for. How did you watch it? Uh, it's on Amazon Prime right now for free. Perfect. Um, by the way, before I get into this, Allie has been uh, on a hiatus, on a listening hiatus, and then she just binged like a boatload of our episodes, and she was just like shooting me comments about things we we have said like weeks ago. <laughs> so funny dude so funny she's like i wasn't not listening because air horns and i was like what oh (laughs) oh you're catching up doing a lot of catching up and then do you remember the the episode where i talked about outer banks and how it bugged me how they were in the middle of the ocean and it was just a dude and a girl in the ocean and she was shouting john b and it bugged the fuck out of me and she was like, and Allie texted me. She was like, "How sick would it be if she was shouting 
John B because John Cena was out there and he's John C. So she had to say John B to differentiate between the two. <laughs> Even if he was out there, you wouldn't be able to see him. <laughs> oh my God. I think John Cena's out here. Um, okay, so uh, I watched this movie, Mars Attacks, for two reasons. Uh, well, a couple. Number one was... Two is I, a couple. I was desperately trying to find a movie I didn't have to pay for. Um, it's pretty hard to find Tim Burton movies. Uh, they're very spread out because he's done things under so many different like intellectual properties. Like He has yeah. some stuff with Disney. He has like the Batman movies. Mm-hmm. So he has shit with uh, like DC. Um, he has shit up for like Sony or Universal. He's all over the place. So like uh, it was hard to pin down which where to watch his movies and the first one that came up for free for me uh was mars attacks so i was really fucking excited to watch that um and i didn't know that was his movie it made perfect sense like i just never connected the dots like i haven't thought about mars attacks in a long time but i remember fucking loving it and i feel like everybody who watches it loves it i remember seeing part of it in a motel room while we were traveling one time and I got really scared. So I've never actually seen the whole movie. It is a, it is actually like pretty fucked up. It's a pretty fucked up movie and it's like really, really bad, like super bad. (laughs) And that being said, I fucking loved it. It's amazing. (laughs) At least one of us. It's a, it's, another one of those movies that's raging tim burton and it's basically like a modern take um, like a modern spoof on sci-fi 50s sci-fi movies so there's a lot of shit that mimics the 50s when like aliens were it was like the golden age of sci-fi aliens and shit yeah because roswell had had recently happened exactly like because of this is what this is where it's at yes um so a lot of their things in the movie heart back to that like a little bit of the style of the aliens the the super generic flying saucers like literal like discs in the sky uh the military their their uh uniforms are from the 50s um the they didn't get permission to pull this off but so they like copied it just a little bit the the sounds of the lasers from the the guns and from the ships are really close to War of the Worlds, like the original War of the Worlds. Oh, nice. It's just like a super high pitch, like, like super, super high pitch. <laughs> and uh, it's so funny. Like, they they had to, like, change a lot of shit to make it PG-13, because otherwise it would have been crazy-ass violent. So, like, the guns did one of two things. It would, it would, if it was a red laser... It would disintegrate you to a red skeleton. If it were a green laser, it would disintegrate you to a green skeleton. And they decided on this. <laughs> like you would get zapped, a hole would go through your chest, and then from that hole would spread like the disintegration slash evaporation of your body until you were a skeleton. And it would happen all, all just fucking all the time. All the time. Everybody. Amazing. I think I for, I'm going to fuck up the numbers, but. There were like 23 main characters, and I think three lived at the end. Wow. Um, 
Yeah, everybody just got fucked up. Some George R. R. Martin movie. Yeah. And uh Jack Nicholson has always been kind of big. But this this cast is pretty insane. Like very star studded. Dude, just lay it on me. I, I don't remember anything about this movie other than what the aliens looked like. Uh, and what they sounded like. They sounded terrifying. It is they they're skeletons with like big brains and eyeballs. Like Yeah. It, they, when it like gave us close-ups of the aliens, I was like, "Fuck, bro, th- these guys are scary," and like they had like little uh, like I don't know what they are, like tendons or like meat things hanging from their cheekbones or where their cheekbones are, and like they would get like aroused and those things would shake like a rattlesnake, <laughs> and I was like, "Dude, that's fucked up. That's so gross, so ridiculous." Yeah. And a lot of shit you could only get away with this then. It was it was made in uh, 1996. So here's the cast: uh, Jack Nicholson, Pierce Brosnan, Sarah Jessica Parker, uh, Arnett Benning, Glenn Close, Danny DeVito, Martin Short, Michael J. Fox, uh, fucking Tom Jones. Do you know who that is? Like an old singer. Yeah. Wait. Um, let me see. Fucking. These are like there's a lot of people, a lot of major characters, but I'm just gonna go over the the ones that oh, you. Oh yep. Um and fucking Natalie Portman. What? Oh oh of course Jack Black. How could I forget him? Dude what? Oh my bad Christina Applegate. Uh, I I could just keep going. This cast is bonkers. Like, how do you get all these people to agree to such a ridiculous movie? Bro, I don't know. Like, I think I think he had a fat fucking budget, and I think a lot of these people are way more famous now, and this was, like, a, their early movie, you know? But Jack... But the thing is, Jack Nicholson was fucking huge. Uh, he's always been kind of big, but, like, he he was real, real big, and he just got off of um, uh, Batman with Tim Burton. And... Uh, Tim Burton approached him apparently, and Jack was like, "I'm I'm not even gonna read the script, bro. I'm down. Like I'm down for it. Anything with you." You know why? So you said that movie was '96. Yeah. Because in '88, Beetlejuice came out. In '90, Edward Scissorhands came out, and in '93, Nightmare Before Christmas came out. Oh, so but he was killing his, it. His his biggest titles. We're, we're right back, before back. that. And so he's like, hey, I got a movie coming up. They're like, I don't care what it is. Put me in it. Yeah. That's got to be it. And Jack Nicholson loved working with him so much. He's like, dude, I'm down. And then he was apparently in the uh, – Tim Burton was in, like, the writer's room discussing what to do with all these characters. And he's like, what do you guys think about killing uh, Jack Nicholson's character? And they were like, absolutely not. You cannot do that. And apparently because people told him not to. He did it. He cast him in two roles, two different roles, and killed off both those characters. Oh, <laughs> wow. It's fucking amazing. What a man. Oh, it, you say I can't do that? That's interesting. I'm going to do it twice. Yes. It's fucking ballsy move. And uh, you know, I didn't even know it was Jack Black until way later in life. Like, I've seen this movie when I was a kid, but the the two characters are so different. Like, Jack Black plays... You mean Jack Nicholson or Jack Black? Or, or, sorry, sorry. Jack Nicholson 
plays both the president and this shady ass like casino owner. And the president is like very like well-intentioned, good president trying to save America and the world. And this shady casino owner like is so greedy and so into his casino. Like people are running in the streets and he's like almost not even acknowledging the aliens. Like he doesn't give a fuck about the aliens and he's still holding board meetings when like the world is blowing up outside his windows and stuff. And like so wild. I, I mean, it makes sense that I didn't know they were the same person. That's so great. Um, so like this movie is, is a fucking wild mess and a wild ride. But like the the premise is these fucking weird ass aliens, the bazillion ships circle Earth, and uh, there's no hiding it. So the president of the United States, you know, because it's up to America's job to discover and eliminate and protect the world from all aliens. We're the first Obviously. to discover. Them. We're the only so, country. Yeah, only country. No one, no one else has the resources to assist. Yeah. And, it, and it's crazy because, like, later in the movie, the rest of the world is so behind. Like, so behind. Like, the U.S. has been fucked up hard by aliens at one point. And uh, the president gets a call from the president of France. And the and the French president is like, hey, Mr. President, we've, we've struck an accord. We're good with the aliens. And he's like, listen, Francois, you need to get out of the room. Get the fuck out of the room. And then he starts hearing that. <laughs> and he's like oh fuck so like the rest of the world is so behind that they don't even know that these aliens are bad like you are the the rest of the world is 20 minutes earlier in the movie that's oh that's awesome that's insane but uh so like we it has a, a so many different characters so many different plots like you spend like five to ten minutes on a character at a time and that's it and it jumps around so hard but uh there's like this like redneck family in this trailer and jack black is the this brother that's signing up for martian detail he's in the military and they just think it's the fucking coolest thing in the world that he's in the army and uh he like signs up for martian detail and then they go to meet the martians and there's like a, a bazillion troops and a bazillion people in this crowd viewing this martian ship come in and then there's like a a second of peaceful negotiations and then the aliens see a bird in the sky and they fucking blast it out of the sky and then they start shooting at the crowd <laughs> like the bird sets them off they're like no no no, no. they shoot the bird, <laughs> shoot the crowd and then they they shoot jack black like all of this is being televised and jack black uh, fucks, he's an idiot, so he like goes to shoot the aliens and his gun's on safety or whatever. So it fucks up. The aliens blast him and he disintegrates on TV and his parents are like, no. No. <laughs> no. <laughs> it's so ridiculous, dude. It's so crazy. And uh, this the brother of Jack Black is like hanging out with his grandma the whole time and his grandma is like listening to weird music, doesn't realize what's going on. And she, this this weird relationship is key later. Um, and then it goes to like Pierce Brosnan and Sarah Jessica Parker, and they're like on a talk show, and their studio gets fucked up, and they get abducted by aliens, and they perform like weird ass experiments 
on them. Like Sarah Jessica Parker is like a typical like '90s Valley girl walking around with a Chihuahua, and so they replace their they switch out their heads. I so, remember that too. So weird. So like human head on Chihuahua body, and Chihuahua head on human body, and uh, then Pierce Brosnan's head is just kind of floating around on like a like a Frankenstein electrodes setup thing. Uh, and they have like this weird, like fucked up romance in the ship. And then, um, there's this dude who I think is the fucking coolest character. Um, let me pull him up. His name is Jim Brown. Um, and he plays Brian Williams and he's like an ex boxer. Who's kind of like down on his time, down on his luck. And he's like a, kind of like a casino presence and bouncer. Um, and uh, he's like the coolest character. Like he's fucking huge, yoked, ripped, and he's trying to get back to Washington D.C. to see his family. But he's all the way out in Vegas, like wearing like ancient Egyptian garb, putting on shows and shit. And uh, he fucks up aliens all the time. And he like punches through their glass suits and like punches straight to their brains. And <laughs> green splats all inside the fucking suits. He's awesome. He's really cool. That's what um, you get away with PG thirteen violence is you just make the blood not red. Any yes. other color, you can go as insane as you want, and it's totally fine. Yes, I've I've learned that. Like uh, like Lord of the Rings, all their blood is different colors and stuff, like green or blue. Like you could fuck them up all day; it doesn't matter. PG thirteen. Yeah. Like we straight like up. If Quentin Tarantino directed a movie about elves. And you slaughtered a bunch of elves, and their blood was blue, like PG thirteen. Yes, yes, absolutely. Um, Danny DeVito is this like side character that's so funny. He's in it like not a whole lot, but he plays like this. Everybody's like paused, watching the screen of the TV, watching aliens like infiltrate Earth. And he's like playing craps, and he's like, "Am I the only one playing craps here?" Like hella, hella mad. <laughs> and like, these stories don't really like connect. Like, not all of them connect, but uh, some of them do. But uh, it's just this wild ride of all these different people handling aliens. Like, some people are in Vegas, some people are uh, in D.C., some people are abducted. Um, the all these cool little side stories happen. When I was a kid, uh, my favorite characters were Byron's kids. Now that I'm an adult, of course it's Byron. But his kids were in D.C., and they were on a, a tour of the White House. And uh, I found it, like, oddly similar to now, where, like, the Earth is getting fucking destroyed by aliens hella hard, and they can't do anything. And uh, the president's like, like I want everything to appear like it's normal. Open the schools, uh, keep keep everything open. Tell everyone they have nothing to worry about. And I was like, "Whoa, this sounds similar." That's weird. Yeah. So there were still tours going on in the White House, and uh, of course the aliens get in and start fucking shit up. And uh, one of the aliens gets messed up by uh, Secret Service, and the two boys grab the guns that were on the alien, and they start fucking up the other aliens with their laser guns. And that was still, like, one of my favorite scenes as a grown-up. 
Dude, that's what should happen. It's so cool. And it, it earlier shows them playing video games where they're shooting guns and stuff. So, like, you understand that they, like, know how to shoot laser guns or whatever. Um, super cool. And then uh, the the end scene, like, at the end of the movie, Earth has exhausted all its options. The United States president gets fuck, fucked up by aliens. The, <laughs> the aliens are very comical. Like, they're so they're so in control that they, like, prank everybody. Like, they fuck around, like, they experiment on people, and they, they mess around with their new weapons to, like, see how it works. They're so in control, nothing matters. Like, they, they're just having a good time while they're doing this. So, like, they go to this super annoying... Uh, like, military general, the guy that's urging the U.S. president to use nukes the whole movie. The guy's just screaming the whole movie. He's so annoying. And the aliens go to him, they're like, ah, we got the gun for you. And they bust out this special gun, and it, like, shoots blue rings at him, and it shrinks him. And the guy's yelling, and his voice is getting more and more high-pitched as he he shrinks. And then they just fucking step on him. (laughs) (laughs) And then I never noticed this when I was a kid, but the the U.S. president sees this, the general getting stomped on, and he the president's like, "Oh no!" <laughs> <laughs> so funny. Um, so the president goes off and does this crazy ass speech, and the head alien is like touched by it. And they're like, "Damn, okay." Uh, I get it. Uh, they don't speak English the whole movie, but like this is yeah, it's like their thought- weird screaming like. Aah. But like, there's a lot of emotion. Like you get their their facial, you get their emotions through their their what they're displaying, their their through their faces, and so the the alien decides to try to be human and extend a hand, and the president's like, hell yeah, goes to shake hands with the alien, and his hand comes off, and the alien's like. Gotcha! And <laughs> hand begins to crawl around the president, and the tentacly part that comes out stabs the president <laughs> and fucking kills him. Done. And uh, the 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 end of this movie, Jesus Christ, the the Earth is absolutely going to shit. Everything's done. Everybody's dead. The uh, the the brother of the military dude in the beginning, he goes to pick up his grandma in the elderly home. Everybody's forsaken the elderly, and she's sitting there like her mind's pretty much gone, and she's like listening to music on these massive ass headphones. She can't hear anything, <laughs> and these aliens are like storming through this elderly home, like blowing up people, and they're, they're like they have this like massive fucking laser cannon on wheels. And they're rolling it into rooms and blowing up old people. And they fucking... (laughs) And this alien's, like, running around checking out rooms. And he sees this old lady that knows nothing of the matter. And he's like, ooh, guys, check this. She she doesn't know shit. And so they (laughs) cannon to, like, an inch away from her back. And she's faced away from them and she doesn't know. And they're they're about to fucking blow her up at point blank with a cannon. And, uh... The kid gets in there at this time, and he's like, he screams. He's like, Grandma! And she, like, yanks out her her headphones. He turns around, looks at her grandson, and the music starts playing, and it's this fucking disgusting country singer. Awful! Huge, high-pitched, crazy, 
waves and tones this dude's singing. It's terrible. Uh, but the, the weird frequency, it, it, it like makes the aliens' brains explode in their helmets, and they can't handle it. And so, like, this kid goes to a radio station with his grandma and just puts the shit on repeat, and then everybody starts to pick up that this song or singer fucks up the aliens. So they broadcast this to the fucking universe, and they pick up the signal in space, and all the ships start fucking exploding in space. So ridiculous. And then, like, on the steps of what I think is, like, the Lincoln Memorial, which has been decimated, like, there's nothing left, the daughter of the president and the first lady with, like, a mariachi band, because everybody else is gone, they do, like, a ceremony congratulating him and his grandma for saving the world. And then, uh, some characters, like two characters, escape to Tahoe. Uh, and that's it. It's a fucking wild ride. Crazy. But I loved it. It sounds like such a pointless movie, but it's like perfect popcorn entertainment. Yes. I I told Katie, I can't believe how much I still like this. Uh, it was such an easy watch. It was so ridiculous, dude. Uh, super Tim Burton movie. Uh, I think people, like, either love it or shit on it. It's not like one of his super famous ones, like uh, Edward Scissorhands, probably his most famous. Uh, but it was it was entertaining as shit. I'd watch it again. I, I need to watch it, because I remember being terrified of it when I was young. Um, I don't know how old I was, but I remember, like, vividly being in what I can only assume is like a Motel 6. It was like we were on our way somewhere and we just yeah. had to stay the night. And just in this shabby motel with one of those big, black, thick TV VCR combos. Right. Um, and like the light-colored wood furniture with like the super floral pattern comforter. Right. Like, you know exactly <laughs> what I'm talking about. And that movie was on. And like the aliens just scared me. I was like, I don't want to watch this. Um, and I, it's one of those things that I should watch again, because remember we, oh man, this was days ago. We did an episode on, was it stuff that scared us as a kid? I think it was. We did an episode yes. on things that freaked us out. And I watched yes. night of the comet, which ended up being a straight comedy, which sounds like that's what this is. Which, yes. I don't, I don't like this trend in my life that comedies used to scare me. <laughs> <laughs> but, I mean, like, in your defense, I was taking a closer look at these aliens, and they're fucking scary, dude. They are uh, uh, just a skeleton. Like, they're all short skeletons with eyeballs, no eyelids. So, like, they have a huge eyes that don't blink, and they have a little bit of meat on their on their head. And they just have massive fucking brains. And they scream when they talk. Were they like Playmation or or some kind of puppet? They weren't fake things, were they? Uh, they, they were fake. Uh, I think it was just pretty good CGI. I'm glad you brought that up because in the trivia I was reading, Tim Burton was like pushing for Claymation. Uh, and he thought they could do a good job and like incorporate it into real life and stuff. And, like, last minute, they switched to the CGI, which was, I mean, in 20 years, we might think our CGI now is garbage. But, like, that's true. back then, it's, if you look at it now, back then, it's bad. But I didn't think it was that bad. Like, I think it was, I 
I was talking to my friend Fletch about this. Like, it's better to see CGI that like is just really behind the times and really bad, and it's just it's there's a clear distinction, there's a clear divide between real life and fake, and your brain's okay with that, but your brain doesn't like seeing things that, uh, like the that try really hard to look real, but you know it's not. So you don't like it. Your brain doesn't have a good time with that. So like if it's, I don't know, like uh, like I watched like Spider-Man 2 recently and Spider-Man was slinging around and it was obviously super CGI. And like my brain didn't like that. Like I didn't like that because I was like, now I can tell that's super fake. Yeah, I know what you mean. Like when you can tell that something is trying very hard to imitate real life, like some of these video game cutscenes now yes. are like really good and you're like, I'm kind of uncomfortable with how good that is. Because yeah. I know it's fake, but it's very close. Yeah, that's a great example. Um, but if you can like if they're pushing too hard and like it's supposed to be real and you know it's not, you're like, I don't feel that. But these aliens are obviously fucking fake and you know they're fake, so you have a good time with it. It doesn't bother you that they look ridiculous. Yeah. Um, tell me. I mean, I might just scrap this idea, but tell me if you can. I'm gonna share my screen. I want you to watch this fucking trailer with me. Oh, do it. This is the new segment on the ASWS podcast called Sterling shares his screen with me. <laughs> I was wondering where you're going with this. Can you see this? Uh. Right now, I see your desktop and the audio devices window. Oh, no. So Just it looks click like. click and I'm... drag it. Yeah, I know. I'll click and drag it. I have this new setup, just so the audience knows. I have this new yeah. setup I've worked on, and it's really oh, weird. God. Can you see that? It's so absurd. Just stare at it. Look how scary <laughs> that is. What's a, what's the most ridiculous part of it? Not the alien's face, but the collar that like spins underneath this crazy ornate robe. <laughs> oh my god, it's so ridiculous. Their clothes are wild, and I, like I missed a lot of scenes, but like there's one scene where the aliens like try to portray a woman and it's like this scary ass obviously not human creature and this guy like tries to hook up with her and it's so scary that part scared me when i was little can let me know if you can hear this i don't hear anything at the moment no i can't hear it god damn it i'm gonna okay you can't hear it but i'm gonna fast forward to the part where they fucking start blasting everybody. Oh, there's Jack. Wow, uh, Natalie Portman looks way older than I thought she would. She's pretty young, though. She's super young, but I expected her to be like a child. I thought we were closer in age than we are. Look at that fake bird. Wow. The CGI is better than anticipated, though. Yeah. Oh my god. So the aliens just zapped the bird. That's what we're looking at right here. Yes. 
Oh my Zap, goodness. And now everyone's getting disintegrated. <laughs> oh, it's Jack Black. Oh my. This is beautiful. It's. I love your reaction right now. And they're shooting everything they have, and it's not doing like, anything. It looks like freaking super soakers, those guns. I, oh yeah, my I God. think they are. <laughs> I this think is... they fucking are. Uh, now I gotta get to the scene where Jack Black fucks up. That is very important. And then, then, and then we're done. Oh, this is beautiful. Oh, his ammo <laughs> fell out. That's what happened. <laughs> falls out. And then he's like, "I surrender." See his parents? <laughs> oh my god. I hope you enjoyed that. I did. That made me really want to watch it. Because I haven't thought about that movie in so long. Same. Same, dude. Like, it doesn't even come up for me as, like, recommended. Um, Me neither. Uh, It was pretty sweet i bet there's like some sort of like cult following that's all about this movie there always is there always is with the weird movies there's a bunch of people that are like this speaks to my soul this is my favorite yeah um gotta know guaranteed that there is a small percentage of the population that probably has a mars attacks tattoo that is wild. Well, now I gotta look it up. Yep, Google it. Mars Attacks Tattoo. You know why, like, it's, like, almost not even the movie that, like, affects people. It's always, like, something outside the movie that the movie reminds them of. Like, this was my family's favorite movie to watch on Halloween or whatever. You yeah. know? And so I'm gonna get a tattoo of this. There are... Bro, so many. Sharing again. Share it. Share it. They're amazing. I told you. I told you. Oh, dude. Second row. One, two, three, four, five in. That thing looks great. One, two, three, five. Wow. And it says, ack, ack, ack. (laughs) (laughs) Oh, my God. Dude, this one, the first one on the third row, that's crazy. That looks super good. Some of them are really bad. <laughs> yeah, we won't talk about that. Oh, see this one here? Do you see my my mouse? Yeah, yeah. That's the, the alien girl. Oh, the very obviously uh, fake human? Yeah. And uh, one weird trivia that caught me off guard was... Uh, there, this movie has so much trivia, but... um. The uh the scene with the uh with the alien girl, she doesn't blink, and I never caught that. And she doesn't blink because the aliens don't blink. But I mean, I think everybody right off the bat knew she was a fucking alien. So if like that was the thing, the indicator, I don't know what you're doing. But uh, so the guy is like a, I think he's speaker of the house, and he's like hell of shady, gross, and he has like prostitutes at the White House all the time, and that's why the aliens sent the the imposter there to hook up with him um so he like goes to pick her up and then he takes her on a tour of the white house and he's like we call this the the kennedy room 
And then he fl- there's a statue of Kennedy or like a bust of Kennedy, and he pushes the head up, and there's a red button, and he pushes it, and it opens up, and that is to like uh, I guess allude to the days where Kennedy was hooking up with Marilyn Monroe, like that was yeah. supposed to be his. And then they uh, Pixar or whoever claims that this wasn't a connection, just a sheer coincidence. But there's a fish tank in this weird room, and all of the fish in the fish tank are all the fish that are represented in Finding Nemo. Like, every every single one. It's very weird. And uh, the person... At that point. The person... uh, I forget who it was. I think it was someone from um, Mars Attacks, like someone who wrote it or whatever, was like... I think it's just like those are the most popular tropical fish to own. And like we just said, get the top six popular tropical fish, put them in there. But like down to a fucking T, two, three coincidence, but like seven. Like I I was looking at this fish tank because I read this, that trivia before and I was like, Nemo, Dory, Marlin, all these fucking guys. I ran through all of it. Yeah, that seems like a very difficult coincidence uh, to just be coincidence. That's my new favorite conspiracy. Dude, speaking of conspiracy, I need to talk to you about something after this. Oh, here we fucking go. I'm ready for that. If wants to know about it, please reach out to us and let us know. Uh, <laughs> dude, do you have any other trivia on this movie, I want to. I want to hear it. I'm not done talking to you about Mars Attacks. I really want you to watch it, uh, dude. I'll give you some fucking trivia. I want to with you in like five years when quarantine is over. Oh, I hope it's over in five years. Um, here's here's some trivia that I remembered. So, uh, the mom, the mom in the movie of the two boys that I reference. Uh, let me pull up her name. Because I feel like it's rude to not talk or to talk about guaranteed a character to be Rita or Lydia. If you get that, you get fifty dollars, dude. Um, bro, where is she? It really pisses me off when like you can't find a character in the tops. Dude, it really gets me when you can't find a character. Period, and you go way deep, especially on shows. So while you're looking for that, let me let me go into my grievances on IMDb. When you Pam Grier. Huh? Her name is Pam Grier. Pam. That was going to be number three. She was uh, Jackie Brown. Like, have you seen Jackie Brown? No. Why does that sound familiar? Jackie oh, it's so fucking good. A Tarantino movie. It's a, like a crazy-ass heist movie. So good. What? Stop. How did I yeah. not see a Tarantino heist movie? Jackie Brown. Oh, it's fucking dope, dude. I love that movie. Um, I think it's Pam Greer or Pam Greer. Uh, so when she... Uh, she was supposed to audition for the role of the mom for the, the two boys. And they're hitting her up and they're like, bro, where are you? And she's like, I can't leave home. My dog is super sick. And uh, they're like, can you just come out for a fucking minute and and audition for this huge movie? And she's like, absolutely not. My dog is sick. I'm not going to leave my sick dog home alone. And and uh, Tim Burton was like, 
she's in. She got the part. the The audition was for the role of a mother who would never leave her kids, and uh, I, I think she got the part. So, dude, get out! Yeah, Are you so kidding me? That's it. So she got it just by, just by doing that. He's like, by she auditioned to me. Good dog owner. Yeah, isn't that crazy? That's the best, dude. I, man, my respect for Tim Burton just went up ten points. Yeah, he's kind of fucking dope. Um, let's see. I'll I'll try to give you one more cool one. If you can't, that's okay. Oh, I gotta I gotta look this up. Yeah, like they talk about this a lot in this trivia. It says producer and director Tim Burton pitched the idea of this movie to Warner Brothers by showing them the Topps trading cards that inspired the screenplay. So there were some things called Topps trading cards that he collected when he was a kid, and that, that inspired all this bullshit. Like, <laughs> I don't get it. And they, they bring it up a lot, because like a lot of the shit in the movie is modeled after Topps trading cards. Also, in the beginning of the movie... During the Warner Brothers sign, if you look carefully, there's a flying saucer in the back flying around. Oh, of course. Which is super, super cool. Dude, can you imagine, like, let's say in 10 years, you and I go to pitch a movie to a major studio, and we don't have any other props other than, like, old Yu-Gi-Oh cards? We're like, wait, 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 hear me (laughs) out. Here's a story, okay? There's a guy... And a giant mummy. Look at this card. This is what it's based on. This is what we're going to see on the screen. This mummy right here. There's also a dark magician right here. Look at this card, please. (laughs) Check this shit out. (laughs) You with me? You with me? Check it out. I listened to this other podcast where this dude talks about how he's, he's pitched a ton of stuff to different studios and how like intense it is and how terrible it is to do that and like how much of a fucking joke it is sometimes i never thought of that like how hard that pitch is it's got to be super difficult because they're you're literally asking someone hey i would love if you gave me i don't know like 20 million dollars to to do this project um here's my powerpoint presentation on why i want 20 million from you particular and i want you to not only give me your money but i want your logo right on the front of it so when it comes out everybody knows you had something to do with it here here it is here's my idea and it's like dude whatever comes after that has to be amazing or they're like yeah "Mm, i don't want my name on that i actually don't even want your idea in my office please get out I I think it's so appalling. I don't even want you to be seen leaving this office. Uh, kidnap him right now. <laughs> Look, I don't know your name, and I don't want you to tell me. Please get out. <laughs> <laughs> oh, my God. Okay, uh, so I lied. Let's not wait. Let me let me tell you about this cool podcast that I discovered. Yeah, Actually, my it. buddy told me about it. It has nothing to do with movies. Are you done with Mars Attacks? Are we done with movies? Are we yeah, yeah, that's. Recommend- I, it's fucking crazy and wild. And if you need something light to put on the background, go ahead and go and watch it. Boom. Okay, so this is the normal uh, conversation part of the podcast. Um, 
So my buddy recommended a podcast to me that just started this week. Um, so apparently every episode is going to be different. Uh, but the first episode was extremely intriguing, and it's called Red Wire uh, or Red Web. I mean, Wait, that's me... the name of the podcast or the episode? The name of the podcast is called Red Web. Oh, okay. Let me, let me double check that real fast. Red Web. Found Boom. it. Yeah, yeah. It's so Rooster Teeth. Yeah, it's a Rooster Teeth podcast. The first episode is called Lake City Quiet Pills. Yeah. And holy shit. It plays right into my love for conspiracy theories. Um, Oh, fuck. I'm not going to say what all it's about, but it's basically these guys going down a Reddit thread uh, and looking into some crazy reporting and a lot of coincidence on some dates of things on the thread versus things that happen in real life. And it's ridiculous. Um, potentially leading into like Jason Bourne territory. So it's Holy really, yeah. it's a really cool episode and it's just two dudes talking. So basically the, the format of the show um, is one guy presents all the story and he's basically presenting it to a guy that knows nothing about it. And the goal is to, like, scare that guy. <laughs> <laughs> yes. So he's like, I'm going to present you with this crazy shit, and then you're going to try to sleep tonight. <laughs> uh, that sounds tough. Yeah. So I'm going to try to brain fuck you. Yeah. Uh, it was recommended to me as something ridiculous. And the reason it was so highly recommended is because my buddy knows a guy that sounds like he had something to do with it a little bit. Oh, fuck um, me. And when you listen to it, you can ask me questions. <laughs> well, shit. I'm going to start listening tomorrow morning. Yeah, that's kind I, I listen. I've been... Thanks to McCoy for the recommendation. I've been listening to the last podcast on the left, like real hard. Like Isn't just went down. It's just fucking hilarious, dude. And like they're they talk about really insane things, but in a very not serious format. They're three comedians, funny as fuck. So funny. And they just like joke about these like crazy crazy phenomenon and like these heinous murders and they just laugh about them and like it's so fucking funny and like it's so hilarious dude i'm like crushing it and they they're like on another level like one of them they're on like different levels of like conspiracy theorists and one of them is like has jumped in way too deep he's gone way into the deep end and he like he's on like this eight episode straight spree where he's brought up lizard people for the eighth time. <laughs> <laughs> and the guys are like, uh, Henry, you you like I'm gonna forbid this. You can't bring up lizards anymore. You can't. And he's like, That's funny, my girlfriend says that. Maybe I need to listen. Fucking <laughs> <laughs> keeps bringing them up over and over. And like they'll be talking about 
something so obscure. They'll be talking about MK Ultra, which is real, which it was a conspiracy theory that turned out to be fucking real. And uh, he ties it to lizard men, and you're like, oh fuck me, he brought him back. back. Here comes I the lizard men. I love that. Oh, it's so funny, dude. So funny. Though I may not believe in lizard people, as you well know, I'm very prone to believe conspiracy theories, um, or at least show extreme interest in them. I love me a good, good conspiracy theory. Oh, I'm down. I think they're I think they're always worth entertaining, unless maybe it's as crazy as like lizard people. But like if you if you bum them off or you bum people off that believe in them right away, like that's wrong. Because like some of them turn out to be fucking true. Like just Google conspiracy theories that turned out to be real. And it's pretty fucking crazy. Oh you know? yeah, dude. Uh, I think we're living one right now. I don't want to get too political, but there's things that have happened in the last few days that are like, are you kidding me? And we okay, can like, here's a big one. Uh, all the shit happening with Epstein. Like, give me a fucking break. Everybody does not believe that Epstein killed himself. Yeah. That is, by the very definition, a conspiracy. Like, yeah. A, a group of people trying to keep a secret from everybody else yep like a bunch of collusion a bunch of plot that's conspiracy and it's just so obvious that everybody's like if you if you were to tell someone this like 20 years ago you'd be like are you fucking kidding like a rich guy hanging out a rich pedophile hanging out with all the most powerful people on the planet uh they send an assassin into prison to kill him are you fucking kidding me Sounds like it's, a bad movie, but it's legitimately what happened. <laughs> mm-hmm. Dude, did you hear about that judge in New Jersey? Oh, dude. Fucked up. Like, people need to do shit about this. Dude, I believe it's tied. I believe it's tied in. Of course it is. Of course it is. Like, I don't... I don't... Maybe I'm missing something, but I don't think... I don't understand how you could see otherwise. You know, of course it's fucking tied. Well, the thing that's being touted right now is that the apparent assassin who subsequently killed himself right afterward uh, all of a sudden has these great websites uh, that have rants about him being super anti-feminist and he hates women judges and he feels like men need better rights. And so it's like he was targeting female judges for completely other reasons other than the fact that this particular judge, who was not harmed in the attack, happened to be tied to a case involving Epstein and the bank that he used to fund all this pedophilia shit. So if they look into that bank, they'll find some other names of people that financed some of that shit. Of course it's not related, though. That guy just hated women. It seems like a very weird fall guy. I don't know. I, I don't believe it. Uh, I don't believe it, man. There, She's not the only female judge. Like, why don't you go after Judge Judy, the most prosperous female judge in America? Well, like, apparently he is tied to the killing of other female judges. Uh, oh. 
Really? But I'm I'm not sure how much I believe that. And coincidentally, he also was recently diagnosed with terminal cancer. So here's my thought. Oh, so he just went after it. Just towing the line here. Just here's my thought. If I am trying to get rid of somebody that's going to expose my secret, right? And that somebody happens to be a female judge. And I discovered a gentleman who has a history of cases about men's rights who is terminally ill. Why would yeah. I not coerce that guy into killing a female judge for me by saying, hey, I'll, uh, I'll open a trust for your kids uh, and they'll be set for life if you do this. Boom. Done. That guy goes, tries to kill a female judge. His kids are taken care of. He offs himself. Loose ends tied up. Boom. I believe it. It and sounds insane, but it's actually, it's, it's kind of not. I don't know. I mean, it's not as far-fetched as fucking lizard people. But uh, the, I mean, I shouldn't be using a cons- another conspiracy theory to compare to a conspiracy theory, but people think that's what happened with uh, JFK. Like, political parties manipulated, uh, what's his name, Lee Harvey Oswald, because he was super fucking intense and hated JFK, and they're like, they found someone who was very vulnerable and just gently guided him into doing their bidding. Yeah, that doesn't sound like anything the CIA has ever been a part of. Ooh, they've done a whole bunch of dirty, dirty shit. Yeah, so it's it's not hard to believe that you could do that pretty easily to someone who's relatively unstable. Yeah, dude. Um, I like it's so easy to Google it. Jesus, ten truly terrible things the CIA did in our names. Ugh. MK Ultra is just the one I can remember right off the bat. The Tuskegee experiments are the worst, I think. What At least there? the worst that I know of. What happened? Oh, um, they basically, under the guise of free health care for African Americans, um, oh. they monitored them and exposed them to. Uh, I'm pretty sure it was AIDS. Yeah. Doing tests on them. And they were like, hey, dude, we'll give you free health care forever. Like, it's sick. Just let us, you know, let us take care of you. It's an experiment. And uh, exposed them to AIDS and just watched how it affected them for years. And And not to mention all the partners they would infect. Exactly. And it was, um, I want to say the experiment or the, the testing phase or whatever the individuals knew about was, I think, a year, 12 months or something like that. It was like 12 weeks, 12 months. It was a short, relatively short amount of time, but they monitored them for like 10 years. Oh, my God, just to watch them fall apart. Yeah, they, they, it, it was just shady all around. It, was, it wasn't so like, they- hey, we're going to monitor you for 12 weeks. Just kidding, we're going to watch you for an extra month. No, 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 no. It was like, hey, we're going to monitor you for a significant fraction of your life. Look at all the shit 
they're involved in, dude. Uh, domestic wiretapping. Extraordinary rendition. Don't know what that means. Security failures. Counterintelligence failures. Human rights concerns. External investigations and document releases. Influencing public opinion and law enforcement. Uh, CIA's recruitment of Nazis. Drug trafficking. Alleged lying to Congress. Uh, covert programs hidden from Congress. Intelligence Committee investigation. Improper search of computers used by Senate investigators. Resignation of officials and agents who would not work for Donald Trump. Uh, WikiLeaks disclosure of CIA's cyber tools. <sighs> so much shit. Yeah, dude. How are they still in business, man? Because I'm sure they do a lot of good. As crazy as that sounds, I'm sure they do a lot of good around the world. Um, I read a book recently that highlights some of the crazy good shit they've done. Really? Yeah. Um, it's a book called Surprise, Kill, Vanish. And it's basically like the birth of covert programs for the U.S., Oh, wow. It's really good. I can lend it to you because I finished it. Down. Project it's a little X. dense. It's a little dense because it's history-based, but it's, it's really cool. Ah, maybe I'll just listen to it. Ah. Oh, you should, if you can listen to it, because the author reads it, and Ooh. she's got a very cool, like, smoky voice. Her name is Annie Jacobson. That's cool. Yeah. Is that what you did? You listened to it? No, but I listened to an interview with her um, on Joe Rogan, which is what turned me on to the book. So I bought the book and I read oh, the shit out of it. Right. I remember now. I remember. Um, all right, dude. Let's get out of here. I forgot yeah. I have to fucking clean my building. Oh, that sounds gross. Um, and we went a little over. Sorry we went off track there. But if you enjoyed it, let us know at uh, aswspodcast at gmail.com. Or you can find us on social media at aswspodcast on Facebook, Instagram, and Twitter. You can call us at 415-488-5031. Uh, this is Alex. Did you say this is Alex? Yeah. You're supposed to say this me. is Sterling. This is Sterling. That caught me way off guard. I know. I'm trying to change starting it up. the podcast. <laughs> <laughs> we're starting it now. No, we're, uh, really we're signing me. off. We're signing off. Let's get out of here. All Catch right. you later, bro. Bye, buddy.